I used to sit in the preschool in tears. People say to me all the time, you're a parenting expert because you've got six kids. And I'm like, well, no, I know plenty of people with lots of kids and they're not parenting experts at all. <laughs> doesn't matter which school they go to as long as they're being well supported at home because I will not be camping out to get them into the out of area or the fancy private schools. From the news desk to the nursery, Mom! this is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Yes, the parent panel is where we invite two parents into the studio, a mum and a dad, to talk about the events and the stories that we've been watching this week. Or perhaps you haven't been watching and that's why you're listening, because we're going to talk to you about the stuff that's been making headlines. And if there is a headline that we've all seen this week, it's Barnaby Joyce and his love affair. Now, we actually thought this was a prime example of a parent who has failed to practice what they preach. Of course, this is a fairly spectacular example. I'm certainly hoping that neither of my guests has an example like Barnaby's. But we are asking them today whether they've been caught out in a parenting fail. And if they have, how did they handle it? Also, is sugar as evil as they say, or is an occasional treat okay? When can you send your kid to school with a runny nose? And have you ever done battle with a beast to protect your family? Joining me is Carly Abrams. She's the founder of Mums Pages. It's an online marketplace for mums. And Sean Johns from The Fathering Project, which is a non-profit that aims to help dads do a good job, which is not to say they're not already doing a good job. Carly, Sean, welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Before we get stuck into it, I do like people to have a sense of where your experience comes from, which of course is our family, <laughs> our children. Carly, can you tell us about your son? Sure. So my son is, uh, he's just turned seven this year. He's in year two. And I guess also my experience would be from, I also run a mum's Facebook group um, for the last four or five years. So I'm entrenched in what mums are going through <laughs> every single day. 24-7. 24-7. We've had a chat about that. It's yeah. like any time of the day, you could be right back in it. Um, Sean, tell us about your kids. Well, mine are a little bit further down the track than, than Carly's. Um, I have a 22-year-old daughter. Wow. And married young, actually, just married. Wow. Um, and that's exciting. He's a great guy. And, and then I've got a 19-year-old son uh, and a 16-year-old daughter. We still call her the pocket rocket. She's third child <laughs> syndrome. Tell me... Um, uh, when she got married, did you get to do the bridal dance with her? I did. And did you cry? Uh, well, <laughs> that was probably the third time, I think. It uh, <laughs> yeah, was after the speech. Oh. Yeah, struggle. My dad once awesome. said to me when my sister was getting married and I was pregnant and she had a little girl at that point and my dad looked at me holding my niece and he said, Siobhan, blink and this will be you. And I was like, Dad, I'm hormonal enough as it is. And <laughs> Weddings. Anyway, thank you. You're going to have to throw yourself back to when they're little. I'm sure it feels ah, like only a moment ago. Absolutely. All right, let's get on with it. Uh, first up, we are still talking about Barnaby Joyce. I get no As we come to the end of the second week where Barnaby Joyce and his love affair are still dominating the headlines, it seems quite obvious that part of the personal fallout for the Deputy Prime Minister will be to repair the relationship with his daughters. It is one of the most extreme and public examples of not practising what you preach. But if we take it back to a more normal level, <laughs> we all know that we are the most important role models for our children. And while Barnaby's example is hopefully more extreme than the way most of us fail, it can be hard to always be a good role model. So whether it's being caught out eating chips, 
after dinner when you've said they can't have any or playing on your phone after you've said, this is definitely my example, only one screen at a time and you're all watching TV. Have you ever been caught out when it comes to role modelling? Carly, does that happen to you? (laughs) I think it happens to all of us. Uh, With me, you mentioned playing on your phone. The issue I have is my work is on my phone. So there's this constant battle with my son and I about how come, because I don't let him have the iPad during the week, during school week. And he's like, but you're always on your phone, but my phone's work. Well, that's not (laughs) fair. And it goes on like that. So there's definitely the small um, issues, battles like (laughs) that. And I think also... You know, you try and teach your kids to communicate effectively and not lash out. And, you know, like any mum, I've certainly had moments where I've just lost it way too quickly. Um, so that's definitely not leading by example, but I think it happens to all of us. Oh, completely. I Well, I know my husband. I love putting him in it on yeah. the show because he's <laughs> never here to defend himself. But I often say, if you don't want our daughter to yell at you, don't yell at her. Yeah, exactly. But it's just that trigger it's hard to sometimes do, especially when you've had a long, long day and then yes. they've come home from school in a ratty mood <laughs> and it's just a cl- battle. There's always something they know exactly what to do to push your buttons. They do. That's true. That's for sure. Now, Sean, your, um, your whole thing really is teaching dads the importance of role modelling. So you've kind of got a double, yeah. <laughs> double yes, expectation absolutely. here. Have yeah, you we, had any moments mm, where you've been caught out? Oh, have I ever? Actually, it's, it, I can laugh about it now, um, but at the time, it wasn't great. I was, I've got two really sporty kids. Um, my oldest son is contracted to the Dragons as a football player. Wow! And my youngest daughter is a junior Matilda in football in soccer, and so it's always been a sporty household. And I was involved when they were growing up, and my son was playing footy, and I was the water guy, and. And this one time, this referee to me was just <laughs> looking through the. You know, it was it Sporting was. Sporting I know, and I, you know, you, you preach that stuff, especially in my role. You know, you see the importance of role models around the way you react to things, and you know the generational way that that goes through families, and and so I was always pretty strong on it. But I ran on this time when some boy got a little bit knocked over, and I said, um, I said to the referee, "Your eyes are painted on," and. <laughs> And, of course, you're not allowed to talk to referees, so it all blew up. Anyway, my son was the captain. He steps up and he goes, Dad, Dad, move away to the sideline. <laughs> he's, he's under 10. And um, says to the referee, sorry about that. Um, um, you know, he but we, said but, to the referee, yeah, said the referee sorry, sorry about, about my dad. dad. And, uh, and, then he, and then he says, um, we just want a fair go. And he handled it perfectly. So here I was. I, I had these mixed feelings. I was, I was profoundly disappointed in my own behaviour, but proud of him at the same time. I didn't know whether to <laughs> laugh or cry at the time. It, it was, is um, tough as a parent, tough. though, isn't it? Mm. Because that's that whole, that's one of the things I'm really aware of as well. Like you can think you're being a good role model and then your kid will come out with something yeah. as well that you think the only place they got that was from me. And they remind you just of how hypocritical you can be. (laughs) And don't forget. Yes, look, let's just hope we are never as hypocritical as Barnaby Joyce now that they're just put it out there. Mm. Um, I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. And this is a show where we invite two parents into the studio to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Now, these events aren't always things that you're going to have a headline for, like Barnaby Joyce. But we do like to um, tap into what is affecting us as parents. And today I'm joined by two people who are very uniquely qualified, apart from the fact they're both parents. Carly Abrams is founder of Mums Mums Pages, 
which is an online marketing place. She's also run a Facebook group for many, many years with mums. So she's in there 24 hours trying to moderate and be part of these conversations. And Sean Johns is from the Fathering Project, where this is a non-profit group that aims to help dads do a good job through things like teaching them how to do good, be good role models and things like that. Coming up, should we call a truce on the sugar wars? You're listening to Kindly Conversation. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. By now we know that Mary Poppins possibly didn't have the right approach to getting kids to uh, have their medicine. Uh, But this week, after all the discussions of the evils of sugar, which I have read plenty about, I decided that I'd had enough. So my thoughts were, and I wrote an article about this for our website, is that um, we need to reintroduce the word moderation to parenting. So it's not just sugar. I think on every level, parenting can be a very intense experience these days because we have so much information and we just want to do the right thing by our kids. And it just gets really stressful. So before I come to our guest today, I just wanted to share some of your comments on Facebook um, after we posted this story. Leah says, I heard, overheard a little boy at our local health food shop asking his mum for a coconut water. Mum replies, no, you had a date today. That's enough sugar for one day. I actually wanted to give that kid a donut. Lucia says, I think sugar is like many of the food villains before it. These kinds of fears are trumped up by media sensationalism. The witch hunt is petering out. Now, Carly, um, we know there is evidence that sugar is um, very bad for us. Poison. Yeah, poison. There is that. Uh, And I know that you've just quit sugar. Um, Have you brought this in family-wide? So is it for your son as well? And what are your thoughts on this? Uh, No, it's not for my son because I think that word moderation that you use is really important. And I know how bad sugar is. I've done a lot of research and reading behind it because I had a health issue last year. So I had to quit sugar. Um, And even though I know the damage it does and the biochemistry gets altered in your body and all sorts of things, He's a child and we all get through our childhood having sugar. Yes, maybe we could be causing our bodies damage, all sorts of things, but a little bit is really important. And I think you find in the playgrounds and um, tuck shops of schools, you have those mums that have gone zero sugar for children. And those are the kids that come up when I'm on tuck shop duty uh, and their mums are not around and they go crazy on sugar. And we've had parties for my son when he was younger where I did have a candy bar and my son who's allowed sugar uh, in moderation was zero interested and it's the children that are deprived generally not all children but generally they're the ones that are going mental on the sugar so I think you know moderation is important I know my mum even a long time ago when I was little she was quite strict with the sugar and I had a friend whose mum always had a bowl of chocolates out at her house and I did I, I always wanted to eat those chocolates I think the moderation is really important look I got lucky my son's not big on sugar he actually prefers salty and cucumbers of all things to eat he will choose a cucumber over a chocolate by choice but I certainly have uh, things in the house and he's welcome to them because he doesn't have that um, crazy drive to eat it. I have to say, though, I, I do, I'm not going to judge parents because 
I don't know what I would do necessarily if he was one of those kids that was always going for the junk. You would have to probably implement some kind of rules around it. But I think depriving them completely, like no coconut water because you've had a date, uh, it's like really, that's just not fair for a kid. I think, you know, it is bad. There's no question sugar is bad, but at some point... It's in our lives. The government hasn't ruled it out. It's not illegal like tobacco and alcohol. It is there. Our kids are faced with it constantly. So we as parents have to help them. And I don't think helping them is going, you can't have any ever. Mm. Sean, I think uh, Carly's got a really good point there. And I'm interested because your Mm. kids are older. Um, I'm not sure when they were small if you would have had the same kind of um, judgment around sugar that I think is really present now Mm. in terms of, you know, other parents kind of looking, giving you the evil eye because you've allowed your child to Mm. have a lolly. Um, What was it like when your kids were growing up and how were they with sugar? Well, I think... I think it is a lot. Um, a lot more. Fo- there's a lot more focus now. There's, I, I can't remember. Is probably my answer to ever being pressured into the way. I mean, my mum gave me some pretty weird sandwiches and stuff at, at uh, school. And, <laughs> and didn't we all yeah, get weird sandwiches? Right. Though? Still, How were your weird sandwiches? Yeah, just tangentially. Well, I, I, mum would always do these peanut butter, which you can't do anymore. But peanut butter and sultanas, or something <gasps> oh along my that line. God, my mum. You, you know, once she gave me a sandwich with just chutney and cheese. That oh. was her fallback mm. when she ran I out got of ideas. Cat- Capsicums filled with cottage cheese and tuna. I never even got a sandwich. <laughs> that actually sounds quite nice. Yeah. Now. now. Not, not when you're a seven-year-old. <laughs> no. All right. So moving yeah. on from the banana. and We can't do that now. Yeah. Give them weird sandwiches. Yeah, you have to make them quiches. And <laughs> Anyway, yeah. so sugar. How did you find it with the kids? Okay. I mean, did you ever have an issue like yourself? Because, I mean, my kids ask for lollies for breakfast mm. and I say, no, no, darlings, it's a sometimes food. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I must confess first that, I, I, you know, I'm a sucker to Portuguese tarts. I, I, those things have got me beat. <laughs> they do. I can't go into a coffee shop, see one of those and, and not, uh, you know, I feel it can be pain. pretty early. I feel your pain. Um, and I, but, but I think it's important that, that we point out that, that habits start really young. So, you know, I look at my kids and, and fortunately, I guess, again, in a sporting environment, they actually manage backwards, but only because they've been told by people who are in that game, once they get to a certain level, that this is how you eat. Before that, you just tried to, you know, cook meals. And and, and I still really struggle now. Like, I'll do some of the shopping for our for our kids even today, and they're still, you know, two of them are still at home. So I really struggle, and I'm sure other dads do too. Um, when I walk through, say, the supermarket, and you know, I'll get some um, muesli bars. Are they good muesli bars? Bad muesli bars. Um, and then there's this constant fight between the fresh stuff and, you know, you need to almost auction an arm to, you know, to get the celery sticks that are cut up for yourself. You know? And it's, it's this cost. And I reckon families would struggle with it. I really do. And fathers are walking around the shop getting the yogurt, getting the packet of chips, and you look at the lunchbox, put that into the whole realm of family now when time is poor, then you're just trying to get that lunchbox filled quickly and cutting up stuff and doing all the stuff is not easy for people. And so there's this balance between education of what's good and bad. The shops have a, I still think, you know, the way they advertise that stuff, fat-free but heaps of sugar, you know, that whole sort of mindset is difficult. Carly, you were saying, and I think this is a really important point as well, you were saying um, 
the government hasn't decided to do anything. So, you know, in terms yeah. of what we can do, because that well, scenario is yeah, definitely what happens. On that, I it? did some work um, with a paediatric nutritionist. We did in Another Life a YouTube video on the, on the hidden sugars that are in our kids' normal food, like yogurts and tomato sauce. And um, I think that, you know, junk food for kids is a treat. So you can moderate mm. that. But things that we can do is, yeah, educate ourselves a bit better on the sugar content of just normal food that we think we're serving up, like your sauces and yogurts and chocolate milks and things like that. Because now there's ways of, there's alternatives and ways of not having so much sugar in the normal food that then they can have a Freddo or an ice cream mm. and things like that. So there is a lot of pressure on parents. Be aware of this. Don't give them that. But we have to now. We're smarter now than we were, say, yeah. no offence. But <laughs> when, when Sean's kids were younger, <laughs> yeah. we're more educated now. So mm. it, it is hard. One of the things that I was thinking when Sean was talking about the grocery shopping, my husband does the lunch boxes because he leaves early. I'm like, that's your responsibility. <laughs> Plus, I hate doing them. Mm. And we were walking through our favourite supermarket, Audi, looking down the lunchbox aisle and they actually have lunchbox there and he's just going you know what I should I could just as well get that bag of chocolate chip cookies as I could those muesli bars because they both look exactly what you're saying with as much sugar in each of mm. them and mm. I understand that we need to be more responsible but by golly I would love for the government to take more of a stance on the sugar oh, in the products because yeah. then we you know, there's so much to look at when you, and plus we go shopping with the kids. So, <laughs> and it's yeah. the cause of so many health issues. So, yeah. you'd think at some point they'll wake up and realize the cost that they're spending on mm. um, the medical bills and all mm. the health care for so many sick people is is related to the sugar intake. So, yep. it's a huge debate. Yeah. It's a, a mind huge debate. Field. Come yeah. on, let's, let's yeah. do something, yeah. parents. One of the principles we do do with uh, dads is to work on the teamwork stuff with with their partner. And I think there is an argument that would say that's still pretty valid that dads need to get on board and support the process around eating habits because we yeah. can often, you know, be detrimental to what our partners are trying to establish. You know, we're that's the ones so Yeah, we're we're <laughs> the ones who'll, you know, take in the Maccas after the after the game or chuck yeah. the lolly and be the fun or bag. Or put the and, party pies in and not that, worry about the that's vegetables. It. And we so got dads to, tend to get roll on board. their eyes when mums go, please don't <clears throat> give them that and then you get this eye roll like, Oh, you're so neurotic. So get on board, dads, get on board. <laughs> Just uh, not speaking from experience or anything. No, 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 of course <laughs> not. Oh I love it. That's why we have a mum and dad in the studio. You are listening to the parent panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Carly Abrams. She's the founder of Mums Pages, which is a marketplace, an online marketplace for mums. She also manages a very big Facebook group called Mums the Word, where she sees all the sorts of things that are bothering mothers, like sugar and <laughs> husbands not buying the right stuff. And Sean Johns is from The Fathering Project, which is a non-profit that aims to help dads do a good job, like choosing the right foods. In just a moment, when is it okay? to send your child to daycare with a runny nose. So hard to bear, you give me fever When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight Fever in the morning We're heading into the colder months. Well, probably doesn't feel like it, but we are. And kids are settling in at daycare and those dreaded lurgies are starting to rear their heads. We've all dropped kids off to daycare and seen that child, you know, the one with the runny nose who looks 
really contagious. So what happens when it's your own child spluttering and you have to be at work? How do you manage the juggle between work and looking after an ill child? Wendy on Facebook says, and I have a feeling Wendy might work in daycare because it sounds quite like what they would experience. Daycare is not the place for sick children. They are not set up to look after them. Government regulations mean a worker cannot be alone with a child, so putting them to bed is difficult, and sometimes the other children don't get to go out and play. A sick child is miserable and only wants their mum. Now, I think the, the struggle with this, and this is what I was trying to write about this week, is that... Um, we all know what we need to do, but then sometimes you don't have many choices. Carly, you're a single mum, and I imagine in your time, you haven't always been able to choose what to do. I mean, you, you would have had to make a choice yes. if your son was sick, but I can't imagine it was an easy choice. Have you ever Look, struggled with that? I think that? there's a difference also between a runny nose and a sick child, and I, and I, and I get it because I'm not... I don't mm. love bodily functions and seeing <laughs> snotty-nosed children. But I do get it when mums do say, it's just a runny nose, it's a clear runny nose, and my child's not sick. So I think we need to differentiate that before judging what other mums do. But I didn't send him personally. I never sent my child to daycare or anywhere sick. Um, I would ha- Either you, you miss work or I would pay for someone who is equipped to look after him. But generally it was me and I and I would sacrifice the income or, or whatever it was when they're, they're only little for so short a time as I now know and Sean knows with older mm. kids it goes by so quickly that for those and those few years I, I remember the first year at preschool when he was three it was awful I think you know you, they're at, they're not at school more than they're at school because they're that sick that that one year is just a shocker and for some mums it can go on two or three so I get the difficulty in it but I didn't send him to school he needed when they're sick, they, they do. They need mum. And as mm. that um, lady on Facebook pointed out, the daycare's not equipped to deal with no. them generally. Um, so, And it's not fair also to the other mums whose kids no. are not sick because you. Well, I hear this um, from mums all the time. My kid just got better and then I sent him back to daycare and now he's sick again within a day because there was another sick child at daycare. So that's not fair. So it's a, it's a battle between you know, how selfish are you really and what are you prepared to sacrifice? Mm. Sean, mm. I'm not sure what the situation was for you. You've got three kids, that obviously they're older now, yep. but um, were you and your partner both working when they were younger? Or Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I would agree wholeheartedly that, you know, sick kids at, at daycare is is not the go. If that's the rules, they're the rules, they're there for a reason and, and totally selfish to, you know, to think that I can just put my child there. But I'd say two things, um, and I think it applies today, and it certainly applied to me. One is child first. Um, if they're sick, they're sick. You know, I, I remember saying to my to, to one of my kids, I can't remember which one, you know, toughen up, you know, we're going, and then this projectile vomit. <laughs> oh, wow, you really were sick. <laughs> and, you know, it was really, my, uh, when I think about it, it really was about the fact that, you know, I was just pushing to get what we needed done and get up, get on. And, and the second point I'd make is that I think it's important for dads to realise, even though they might be the full-time um, worker, that that doesn't mean that their job is more important than the mum. She, she may be working part-time to get back to work and have a meeting that's been put on for ages that she's either herself seeing is really important and maybe the rest of the money's or the majority of the money's coming from the other role that the father's playing, but it doesn't mean it's any more important. So for me to just have that as a base of my decisions is not necessarily what I think is right. And I, I'd like my time again in some of those situations where I was driving, 
you know, the discussion on I've got to go to work when yeah. my wife would be hugely disappointed if she missed what she missed. And I, and I also wonder as well, and this is a huge generalisation, but I tend to be the one who looks at one of our kids and says, they're not doing so well. And then my husband will say, they're not that sick. Mm. Come on, they're mm. not that bad. And then I start to doubt whether my instinct was right. Mm. And sometimes I am too cautious. Sure. Sometimes he's right and they, they're fine. It's just that morning they feel a little bit queasy and then they're fine the rest of the day. But it is a, it becomes this struggle. And if I say I think they're sick, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, do I have to stay home then mm. if I'm the one who really thinks they should be at home? And I almost wrote this article as a memo to self that – as you were saying, the most obvious thing about this situation is that they're your child mm. and you love mm. them mm. and you don't want them to be at daycare if they're sick. Mm. So what feels like a really difficult choice is actually quite simple in the end. Yeah. And most of the times there's a solution, I think. You know, it's not like it's impossible. So Yeah, I would mm. just say people, it takes a village to raise a child and people need to reach out. And if there's mums who are on their own or can't afford to, then then reach out and Great from the point. beginning reach out so that you've got a network when these situations arise that somebody who your baby or child's really close with, familiar with, um, try and do that from the beginning so that you're not in this you know, conundrum of a situation because it's going to happen. If you've mm. got a baby now and you're listening, you're going to go through those sick days with your kids and have that battle. And it does, unfortunately, it does tend to still fall on the mums. It seems to be it's it's not it's not my area. Mm. Um, if the child is not staying home today, it's on it's on the mum usually. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I really like that point you made, Sean. So that was lovely mm. to say. It's not just about who's working full time. Mm. You're listening to the parent panel, and we'll be back after this short break with the question: Have you ever battled a beast to keep your family safe? <laughs> You're listening to Kindly Conversation. I'm a brave little soldier. I must be bold and strong. A brave little soldier. And I must carry on. I'm a brave I did you. This is what I sing to myself when I see a, a huge cockroach <laughs> running across the kitchen floor. And then I grab a massive can of Mortine while the kids are screaming and I'm screaming and poisoning my whole family with half a can to kill one cockroach. I'm probably going to get lots of hate mail for that. People don't like it. But I honestly, I'm not very good at battling beasties. And this week in Queensland, uh, a girl found a red belly black snake in her school bag. And it just got me thinking, when have you as a parent had to face a terrible beast? And this could be, like I just mentioned, a cockroach. That is the worst thing in the world to me, a cockroach or a massive huntsman. Um, and you've, you've had to kind of just be that little soldier <laughs> for your family. How did it turn out? Carly, has this ever happened to you? It has, unfortunately. I hate spiders. They just, I, yeah, I really hate spiders. So I actually around our house have got this, went to the hardware store and got some spray that's supposed to prevent bugs getting in your house and then I bought What's that called? I bought I that field it. force thing that that sends some electric um, I don't know oh yeah yeah pulse. Out, some pulse outs that stop creepy crawlies and all these I can't stand them in the house <laughs> cockroaches are not that bad I don't have a massive issue with them but I don't get a lot of them so I'm happy about that but yes we've had um, in previous houses spiders and my son 
all brave and brave, and then he actually sees a real one and freaks. So <laughs> I've had to, him. yeah, I've had to get them out or kill them. It does happen. There's no one else around. So I you know. hate. I I know I have to do it, but my whole body just reacts <laughs> like it will not. It will just not go towards it, you know? That, yeah, no, it's horrible. Oh, and, so, and you try and set a, an example by not killing them because we always tell our kids don't kill, you know, the yes. little ones stand on ants. You're like, don't kill ants, don't kill living things. And then you, you <laughs> want to go and kill spiders. The only time I've killed one is that we did have a redback one. So my son was like a baby and I was like, that's it. There's no way so I'm putting that in a jar and sending that on its way. And I did kill. I always have this fantasy that someone is going to see my melodramatic response and come and save me. It's the, it's the only time I want to be saved by anyone else is when there is a cockroach or a spider. Um, Sean, has this happened to you? Oh, wow. We, we had a snake when our, my kids were growing up, um, a pet snake. We had it since it was small, so it was really oh, you, tame. it was yours. It was a pet. <laughs> And uh, they're a great pet because you don't have to you don't have to feed them much every couple of weeks, and they hibernate, and they just and if they're friendly, they're really quite cool pets. Anyway, some one of the kids must have left the uh, the door jar after feeding it, and it got out in the house. <laughs> and so my wife's going, "You're not coming to bed until we find this thing." And they like to hide. They like we were looking everywhere. And so my oldest daughter was about fourteen. and we were looking for this thing, and we hadn't come across it. But I then moved a stack of books. And it startled me because there it was right behind the books. But good old brave dad jumped behind my daughter. <laughs> and she she was old enough to notice what I'd done. And she goes, oh, wow, dad, you've actually thrown me into harm's way. Um, <laughs> and I still get that today. You know, remember the snake, dad? Your, your natural instinct was to actually See, dive behind scared. me. Yeah, I'm scared and that that's going to so happen. Funny. Well, mm. guys, it, uh, thank you for ending on such hilarious stories. And it's been such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday. Hi, we're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows... Hello, Beanies. Hello. The The Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.